before I ask Cora to come forward and read the scripture passage, let's join together in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, would you open the eyes of our hearts as we read this passage, and maybe not always familiar to us, but that you would open the eyes of our heart that we may see you and that we may see very clearly the choices that we ought to make. And so, Lord, we ask your blessing on this service, on this reading, and this explanation. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, it's Terry It's going to be reading from uh, Samuel. I think most of the time that I come, I've preached from the New Testament, so I thought it was time, well, maybe we should have a, an Old Testament uh, passage. So this morning from first or 2 Samuel 15. Cor is at home uh, with a, a sick grandchild, so she asked me to read for her. So we'll be reading from 2 Samuel, and that's chapter 15, and we're going to read um, verses 1 through 23. That's Absalom's conspiracy. In the course of time, Absalom provided himself with a chariot and horses and with fifty men to run ahead of him. He would get up early and stand by the side of the road leading to the city gate. Whenever anyone came with a complaint to be placed before the king for a decision, Absalom would call out to him, What town are you from? He would answer, Your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. Then Absalom would say to him, Look, your claims are valid and proper but there is no representative of the king to hear you. And Absalom would add, If only I were appointed judge in the land, then everyone who has a complaint or case would come to me, and I would see that he gets justice. Also, whenever anyone approached him to bow down before him, Absalom would reach out his hand, take hold of him, and kiss him. Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice, and so he stole the hearts of the men of Israel. At the end of four years, Absalom said to the king, Let me go to Hebron and fulfill a vow I made to the Lord. While your servant was living at Geshur in Aram, I made this vow. If the Lord takes me back to Jerusalem, I will worship the Lord of Hebron. The king said to him, Go in peace. So he went to Hebron. Then Absalom sent secret messengers throughout the tribes of Israel to say, As soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, then say, Absalom is king in Hebron. Two hundred men from Jerusalem had accompanied Absalom. They had been invited as guests and went quite, quite innocently, knowing nothing about the matter. While Absalom was offering sacrifices, he also sent for Ahithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And so the conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, 
or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin upon us and put the city to the sword. The king's officials answered him, Your servants are ready to do whatever our lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines or uh, to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all the people following him, and they halted at a place some distance away. All his men marched past him, along with all the Carathites and Pelethites, and all the 600 Gittites who had accompanied him from Gath marched before the king. The king said to Ittai the Gittite, Why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with King Absalom. You are a foreigner, an exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday. And today shall I make you wander about with us when I do not know where I am going. Go back and take your countrymen. May kindness and faithfulness be with you. But Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the king, the Lord lives, and as my lord the king lives, wherever my lord the king may be, whether it means life or death, there will you, your servant be. David said to Ittai, Go ahead, march on. So Ittai the Gittite marched on with all his men and the families that were with him. The whole countryside wept aloud as all the people passed by. The king also crossed the Kidron Valley, and all the people moved on toward the desert. These are the words of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, as human beings, we make choices all the time. You get up in the morning and you have a choice whether you're going to eat breakfast or not, whether you're going to have oatmeal or whether you're going to have eggs and toast or just a piece of toast, you, you have to make a choice. Are you, going to, are you a Coke person or a Pepsi person? You make a choice. If on a hot day you have a different libation, are you going to have a Coors or a Labatt's, or are you going to have something from Blind Man Brewery? Um, choices are made all the time. Are you going? Are you a GM GM person, or are you a Ford person, or are you a Chrysler person, a Ram truck, or a f- foreign car? Equipment on the farm, are you a John Deere person or are you going to New Holland or whatever other equipment you may have? In politics, are you going to be voting for the United Conservative Party or are you going to vote for the NDP or some of the other parties? Also within church, even if you wanted to stay Christian Reformed, are you going to go to Whittinook? You're going to go to Bethel? You're going to go to Wolf Creek? But you can also decide. Well, maybe I want to go to a mega church, and so I'm going to go to Crossroads, or I'm going to go to the United Reformed Church, or the Free Reformed Church, or some other Reformed 
church. And so we are inundated with choices every single day. Now, what is the criteria for making your choices? Well, probably, for the most part, it is a matter of what I like and what will serve me the best, what will give me the most pleasure. This is the criteria we make. And in some ways, we really like the fact that we make choices because that puts us in command. Life kind of revolves around me, so to speak. And if I don't don't like what's going on, whether it be the church or politics, whatever, then I can, well, I'm going to withhold my support or I'm, I'm not going to buy from you or I'm going to buy a different product. But I am in charge. And so in terms of the advertising community, we are inundated. If you watch television or you read a newspaper, magazine, it's filled with advertising. Come on, choose me, choose us. This product, this will make your life much better. And so we are people who make choices and it makes us feel good. But do we ever ask the question, do we make, ever make wrong choices that have terrible consequences? And what, in that sense, constitutes a wrong choice? Why can it be wrong? I mean, if it's, if it's, if it's um, something that I choose... What, what can make it to be a wrong choice? Could it be that we are using the wrong criteria? This morning we meet a rather obscure uh, figure in the Bible, Etai. He is confronted with a choice. Look, Itai, not only him, but he comes, he comes to David with 600 men and probably his, their families. You might as well go with Absalom. Absalom is on the rise. For all intents and purposes, it looks like that he's going to become king. And so, look, why don't you go, why don't you just follow Absalom? I mean, in terms of the criteria that is being used here, in terms of what is going to give you the most pleasure, what is going to make your life easier, what's going to be better for your kids and your family, is it going to be Absalom? Or are you going to follow David? David who is on the run. David who... You read, if you read the whole passage there, they're, they're, they're weeping. It doesn't look good for them. Who are you going to choose? Well, we read that Etai did not choose Absalom. He chose David. Why? Is there, is there something that we can learn here? 
in terms of the choices that we have to make. So we look at the story a little more closely. And David, by now, has been king for quite a while. And you know what happens at times, you know, if you've had a minister for a long time. Well, he he might be a nice guy, but... um, you know, after a while, you get a little tired of the same person up there. And, and so maybe it would be good for a change. In Ontario, this past week, uh, the liberals who had been in power for, for 15 years, well, the people of Ontario wanted a change. And so now they have, they have another, or soon to have another premier. And so here David was, yeah, he, he, he had been, um, been on in power for a number of years. Now David was, uh, was a laudable king. God, God praised David and, and throughout history is, is David is the ideal king. But of course David was not perfect. And especially his sin with Bathsheba is, is emphasized in, in the Bible, that he lustfully saw uh, uh, Bathsheba taking a bath, and, and, um, and, and you know the story and how she was married and he had committed adultery with her and then he committed murder or he had her husband Uriah killed. And so... And yes, he came to the point that he was very, very, um, very, very repentant. You read Psalm 51 and, and how, how, how he comes clean before God. And God certainly forgave him his sin. But he made it very clear that the consequences were not obliterated. There would be consequences in his family. And so he experienced that. His oldest son, Amnon, he, um, uh, he was the crown prince. But he sexually assaulted his half-sister, Tamar. And, and Tamar's full brother was Absalom. And Absalom was, was, was very, very angry. And so finally he, had, he killed Amnon. And so within David's family, there was turmoil. And so this is what was going on in the family. Now, Absalom was quite, um, quite a striking figure. Um, in chapter 14, verse 25, we read, In all Israel there was not a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Absalom. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no blemish in him. This is Absalom. He was a man, we would say, he had a very good television image. People flocked uh, to him. And so this kind of came, um, yeah, it, 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 uh, it, it fed his, his ego and so why, why should David, maybe people were getting, as I mentioned a little while ago, people were getting kind of tired of David, and so he would set himself up as king. And so he went about it in a very stealthful way. First of all, he, 
he would sit by the wayside and people with complaints would come and he would say, if only, if only you had a person like me uh, in, in power, then you would get justice. And so he kind of built up that, his, his reputation. And he, he had chariots and he had 50 people, the soldiers go in front of him. He was a somebody. If you uh, you know go to Singapore and, and you see um, uh, a line of, of of limousines, well you know that it's either Trump or, or Kim, um, the, the president of, of North Korea. I mean they have a huge entourage. There's someone very important, and so here Absalom with his chariots and fifty guys going in front of him, he was someone that was very very important. At a particular time. Absalom went to Hebron. Why did he go to Hebron? He wanted to worship the Lord, he told um, the king. But really he wanted to set up his kingdom there in Hebron. And you may recall that King David, when David became king, the first seven years of his kingship were from Hebron. Then later on he went to Jerusalem. And so who knows, maybe in Hebron they were still a little chagrined that, that the capital city, the most important city, went from Hebron to, to Jerusalem. You know how it can be between Calgary, Edmonton, you know, the, the, the rivalry. And so, and so Absalom, very, very, uh, yeah, in, from his point of view, very wisely went to Hebron. And there, uh, with, uh, with a number of individuals and soldiers, he set himself up as king. And then there was one other individual, Ahithophel. Now Ahithophel was the was the, the counselor to David, and we read somewhere in, in, in the Bible it says that that his counsel, when he gave counsel, people interpreted it as coming directly from God. He was very very well respected, but he turned he turned from David to Absalom, and so again this gave gave Absalom a great uh, prestige great power that, that Ahithophel would turn to him. Now it's very, very interesting why Ahithophel, now this is somewhat conjecture, but it's, it's based on, 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 on scripture. If you go to chapter 23, verse 34, there we read that Ahithophel was the father of Eliam. Now, that maybe it doesn't say a whole lot, but we know that Eliam was the father of Bathsheba. And so Bathsheba was the granddaughter of Ahithophel. And so here was Ahithophel, a confidant of David, someone who respected David, and then saw what David did to, to his granddaughter and to his his grandson-in-law, Uriah, and had him killed. And so it seems that Ahithophel became bitter. He became angry, and he wasn't going to serve David any longer. And so here he had the opportunity to, to shove it into David's face, and he turned and he became a confidant of, of Absalom. So there it was. Absalom was setting himself up as king, and it did not look good for David. David realized this, and David, he took, he took his, his family, and he took some of his 
people that were loyal to him, and they left Jerusalem. Because it looked very, very clearly that that he was that he was not going to sustain his his kingship, and Absalom was going to become king. Now we come to to Ittai. David, who was on the run. David, who was being pursued. David, who was probably going to be killed. One of the people that was, was there in his entourage was a person by the name of Etai. Now, Etai, he was a Philistine. Now, that's interesting in and of itself because, of course, between, between Israel and Philistia, there was always, there was always conflict. But here, here he was a Philistine and he, he was joining, he was joining with, with uh, David. And so here, here we see in, in some ways a, a, a real surprise that he would join. We don't really know why, although we do know that if you go back to 1 Samuel 27, there we read when David was, was being pursued by King Saul, he went to Gath. He, he went to Ziglag, he stayed in a city called Ziglag in Philistia. And so he stayed there a number of years. And so maybe, you know, he, he had developed some contact. But this was now already about 30 years ago. So, so this was some time ago. But maybe there were some connections that were made. But anyway, here was Etai. And so David now comes to Etai and says, Etai, look, <laughs> you know, you just came here yesterday. You've just come very recently. You are an exile from your, you have, cho- you have chosen to emigrate. You have chosen to come to a new land. And so wh- why don't you, and, and notice what he calls, he's, he says, why don't you join King Absalom? I mean, David, it seems, is almost like given up. I mean, for your kids and for your family, you might as well you might as well join with Absalom. I mean, to join with me, to join to join with somebody who is on the run, to join with with with, with a group of people that that are, are that may be obliterated. You may be obliterated. Why don't you make the right choice? Why don't you choose Absalom? Now again on the, the criteria that we would obviously most often use, that is what he should have done. But he didn't use that criteria. What is the criteria that he used? He said, you are the king, David. You are the Lord's anointed. Absalom is but a usurper. He is not the legitimate king. He is not the one who has been called by God. And so therefore, because you are the one called by God, anointed by God, therefore, whether I live or whether I die, I choose to stay with you. And then notice what David says to him. He says, he doesn't say, oh, thanks a lot, Etai, that you would, that you would stay with. No, he just simply says, go ahead and march on. 
If you read, go up to chapter 18, you discover that Etai becomes uh, a major um, uh, general in, in the army. And so for Etai, ease, comfort, wealth, happiness was not first and foremost in his life, but to stay connected with the Lord's anointed. That's what was the criteria for Etai. Now if we ask ourselves, okay, what is the application for our lives? I don't think it is too far. We don't have to search too far. Because you see, David symbolizes another of the Lord's anointed. Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Lord's anointed. To Jesus, God said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Jesus is the one who says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. This is Jesus, the, in, in that sense, that itinerant, that itinerant preacher. But yet, he is. He is God's anointed. But there are many, many usurpers out there, be it mammon or, or money or materialism. It could be anything that we make an idol. What do we live for? Just the other day, I happened to, maybe you've seen it on the, on the news, that there was a little report about this, uh, there was a dog show, I think, in, in um, California, and they were taking, I think, 15 show dogs from, from uh, Seattle to California. And anyway, the driver stopped for a donut somewhere, and someone got in the, the van and took off. And they were interviewing some of the... It's a good story because the dogs were found and everything was well. But, um, um, but they were interviewing some of the owners. of, the, And there was one interview, uh, one person, one owner of the dog. The dogs mean everything to me. In, I get up in the morning and I go to bed. And they, these, these dogs are what I live for. And so you can even make a show dog. It doesn't matter what, what, it, what it is. You can make anything a god, anything a usurper. And so here, here was, was Absalom. Here is Jesus. And who says now to you and to me, choose you this day who you are going to serve. Are you going to serve the cri- are you going to use the criteria of ease, of, 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 of luxury, of, um, of, of wealth, or whatever, whatever criteria you, you, you want? Is, is that what you are going to choose? You know, in, in this day and, and age, it seems that there are many, many people who certainly are not choosing David, are not choosing Jesus Christ. And now, you know, you, 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 you read about Absalom who, who, who had this entourage and who worked his way um, into the hearts and, and lives of, of, of the people. All the hearts of Israel were, were with him. And now I think of, 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 you know, social media. 
I think of Facebook, and I think of uh, Twitter, and I think of all of these, all of these influences. This morning we 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 installed a youth elder, and I'm I'm especially thinking of 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 youth, you know, in your your later teen years. These are these are occasions where 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 you make some very very crucial choices, and and in terms of popularity, it certainly is not David. It certainly is not Jesus. It certainly is not someone, you know, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. And in terms of, of what you want, of what life is going to be like, for you, you're, you're going to choose that which is, uh, you know, the latest thing that you find on, on Facebook or, or Twitter or what, what have you. But here, here Etai is saying, but I know who is the Lord's anointed one. And whether I live or whether I die, I am going to choose to choose for, for Jesus. And then note also what Jesus says. Or, or Jesus, you know, we can conjecture here. Jesus doesn't say to you and to me, Oh, thank you. Thank you for choosing me. Everybody seems to be abandoning me, but thank you. No. He says, just go out into the world, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and become involved in my mission, in my work. That's what he is saying. Of course, we know, if you read the story further, you know how it ends. There is a battle and different counsel, uh, and, and it's, it's a fascinating story if you read it. Um, and eventually, of course, Absalom, is, is, his hair gets some tangled in a, some low-hanging uh, branches, and, uh, and he is killed, and so Absalom's threat is... King David comes back on the throne. And so again, congregation, young people, we know the last chapter. We know who is, who is ultimately going to win. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus. And so therefore, therefore I hope that the spirit of Edai believe it's the Holy Spirit, that that Spirit is alive in you and in me, that each day again, as we make choices, as inevitably we have to make choices, but that the criteria is not only what's going to make life better for me, what I enjoy, what's going to give me the most pleasure Does it comport with? Does it meet? Is it in line with Jesus, who is the anointed one of God? May our choices reflect that faith, that belief, every single day again.
Amen.